Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hauselder, joined by Alex Sutton, bringing you your fantasy football content from A to Z. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome into episode 14 of the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I am joined as always by Alex Sutton. How have you been, my friend? What's up? What's up? What's up? Dude, you had a hell of a day at work. You sent me a random video. It, I don't know, it was like 10 a.m. And you're like, this has been my day so far. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm allowed to tell the story, but I don't know. Like, uh, you're basically seeing how high a Sharpie click marker would jump in the air so yeah, looked like you had a lot of fun today trying to measure that vertical i had a tape measure and everything it looked like a, an official combine setup for a sharpie marker which was really four entertaining inches. it was in slow motion it was in slow motion so i was watching it and i thought it was just like a stalled out video and i was like what is going on and then all of a sudden this marker just jumps off the <laughs> table <laughs> i lost it it was really funny uh anything else exciting going on for you not really man that's good Just to hear. The same man. old stuff, different day. Not bad, not bad. Um, I had the opportunity yesterday, uh, super last minute, but I got to jump on another podcast with a guy named Matt, uh, Matt Kelly. He hosts his podcast called The Pick Is In, a fantasy football podcast. We talked about redraft strategy, which was great because I had a redraft league last night that we did our draft for. Um, it was a lot of fun. I posted pictures of the team on the Twitter page. Our Twitter is at A to Z FFB. A uh, quick plug there, Twitter, Instagram, both the same. And then to plug Matt's podcast, that's dropping tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock, I think Eastern time. We discuss a lot of redraft tips and tricks that'll help you out if you have drafts coming up this weekend. So you don't want to miss that. And I'll be sure to share that on Twitter as well. Again, that's A to Z FFB. Um, tonight, we're going to do a My Guys episode. So I'm not sure a more creative my way. Guys, my guys. guys. I don't know a more creative name for it, but... Um, we're going to pick some players we're really planting our flags on this year for fantasy football. Uh, before we hop into that, I do want to address, I hate that we have to do this again. Uh, there was another police brutality incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Jake Blake was shot seven times in the back. He was reaching into his car. He was actually exiting a, a domestic dispute and yeah, on his way back into his car, he was shot. Uh, he's paralyzed from the waist down. That is really this event and the protests that followed have sparked a huge movement from athletes. They've boycotted NBA playoff games. The NHL has boycotted their games. MLB teams have walked off the field. Um, yeah, this this stuff can't keep going on. It's super disheartening. Just a few months later, um, after the George Floyd situation, that we find ourselves in the same situation. Um, with another incident of police brutality in a really like heightened time. Like you would think with everything going on, the police would be hypersensitive about what's going on. And then you hear a story of a guy getting shot seven times in the back. So very disheartening. Um, I want to make sure that we encourage our listeners and really anyone who might catch our Twitter or interact with our podcast to uh, like, just know this isn't okay. This isn't normal earlier today. Um, Matt actually, Matt Kelly, who I was on the podcast with, we were, we talked about it offline for a little bit and he said, it's okay to be in the fantasy football space 
and speak out against social justice issues. And I think as analysts of a sport, especially a predominantly black sport, we have an obligation to listen to the players that we talk about nonstop. What are they talking about? What's affecting them? If we don't bring up the things that they're talking about in their day-to-day lives, then we really are treating them as numbers on a sheet or a website. They're not human beings to us. And that is, uh, forgive my friend, it's, it's fucked up. Like we're valuing the players on what they do for us, which is fantasy sports, not how these events impact them and their families. So again, this isn't normal. This isn't okay. It needs to be talked about. We need to get better. We need to do better. And um, yeah, we are uh, trying to do our part here to keep the conversation going. I hope it's one we don't need to continually have. I hope we can talk about progress as opposed to another incident that seems to be a setback as opposed to a step forward. So anything you want to add, Al? No, I mean, I just got done watching the, uh, the video that Titans posted of uh, kind of their team announcement. I mean, I'm sure there's other videos from other teams out there, but that's the one I saw. Yeah. There's a lot of teams from all sports. It's hard to disagree with what they say. Yeah. A lot of teams from all the sports coming together. Um, A lot of teams canceled practice to meet as a unit to see what's the best way to move forward with these conversations. I saw a really cool report out of Ohio, the Cleveland area. They have a bunch of pro sports teams, the Cavaliers, the Browns, yeah, so, uh, um, yeah, they're going to kind of get together and create a task force per se to address racial inequality issues, not only in Cleveland, but in Northeast Ohio. I think it's a really great movement. I think athletes have a lot of pull and their platform, the ability to use their platform to better the lives of those in their communities is fantastic. So um, the shut up and dribble movement or the stick to sports, it's not where you're going to get here. If that bothers you, then I've said it before. There's a hundred other podcasts you can go check out. Um, kick rocks, I guess. But if you're it cool is. with these conversations, um, we, we would love to interact. So DMs are open. If you guys have something you're struggling with or want to talk more, um, yeah, reach out. We'd love to have these conversations and chat about real life stuff or football stuff. Um, that being said, we'll go ahead and transition now to real some quick. football stuff. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Did you watch that Titans video? Yeah, Tannehill addressing did yeah. you read any of the comments i did not they were taking a little bit of heat for the lack of social distancing in that video uh, it's man. well luckily so on the covid side i think the covid tests have been really good like i don't think they've had any positive tests amongst players there was yeah, the saw, bills incident where there was a bunch of false positives is that what you're going to bring up no i saw Shit, I don't even remember what it might be on ESPN. It was like the head doctor for the NFL or something was like giving a report for COVID tests. And they only had like, I want to say it was like 6% or something of all NFL staff. Like, so office people, players, equipment managers, like everyone in only like 6% had tested positive and yeah. none of them were players. That's impressive too, especially when you factor in the the size of rosters especially in preseason they're up near 100 people yeah so it it came from like front office people yeah it's pretty wild the the job and i will i need to walk back what i said about the nfl's COVID procedures i did not think they had it in them i didn't think they had a plan and arguably i still don't think they really do 
but interesting whatever to see what they do come game time exactly whatever they're doing right now is working so i applaud them for that and we are excited that football is uh just a couple weeks away so uh, that being said we'll go ahead and transition we're going to do a my guys episode these are our players our favorite players um for many reasons beyond just fantasy football for me personally but guys i just really enjoy watching that maybe i didn't have on any fantasy teams last year that i will definitely be targeting and hoping to leave all my drafts with these guys so we're gonna do one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers and one tight end the reason we're doing this setup is because that's how many you typically start of each position so these will be guys that you can target and i picked mine in a way that you can realistically attain all of these players on a single roster in a single draft. So Al, I'm not sure how you built it. You're keeping me in suspense. You said you weren't going to tell me any of your players until the recording. So I haven't disclosed this one at all. This I is, told you uh, I did tell you one person, but I have not disclosed this list to anyone at all. Yeah. And I'll let you, I won't even spoil the one you told me. So um, we'll go ahead and kick things off guys. We're going to start out with quarterback and Al, do you want to get started? Or do you want me to go? I'll let you go first. All right. Uh, my my guy at quarterback is Joe Burrow, the rookie sensation, first overall pick. Uh, Joe Burrow coming out of LSU, obviously, with the national championship victory. He absolutely blew up the CFB scene his senior year. He threw for 402 completions, 5,671 yards, and 60 touchdowns. And then – arguably like this is one of the reasons he is my guy at quarterback 115 rushing attempts for 368 yards and five scores on the ground so deceptively good on the ground 368 yards is nothing to bat an eye at 115 attempts I spoiler I don't have him rushing that many times in the NFL um, as a franchise quarterback they typically like to deter the running unless you're like Lamar Jackson where you're like okay go out and rush for a thousand uh, that's not going to be Joe Burrow's game, but that is a piece of his game where if a pocket collapses, he can scramble and pick up a first down that's well within his skill set. Um, so the he was the first overall pick in the draft. This was the year that was supposed to be Tua's year. Tank for Tua was a thing before this college football season really took off, and Joe Burrow just absolutely flipped that on its head, and he became like the prize of the draft. He had a 7.07 prospect grade, according to the NFL.com website. They kind of track the combine stats and performances. And that 7.07 prospect grade puts him at a Pro Bowl level talent. So that is fun. Um, I'm not scared of him being a rookie. Really, I think we've seen other rookies have highly successful seasons starting the majority of the year. Baker Mayfield, he broke a touchdown record. Uh, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. Cam Newton, all these guys had really successful rookie years. So I'm not worried that Burrow's a rookie that did not push him away from being my guy at quarterback. I think his situation is actually pretty good. When you look at the the weapons, the supporting cast he has, AJ Green, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Auden Tate, who's been blowing up camp. If you guys haven't seen reports, Auden Tate and Joe Burrow have something going on. And I think that's great because T Higgins was a second round pick this year. A rookie. Auden Tate's going into his third year, I believe. Should be fully healthy, and Burrow is targeting him regularly in the red zone, and he's coming down with those catches. So that's pretty awesome. And then out of the backfield, you have Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard, who are like Joe Mixon is being talked about as an RB1 this year. He's got great receiving um, 
prowess, I guess. And that only helps Joe Burrow, who's used to having a guy like Clyde Edwards Larry to catch the ball. Burrow's guaranteed the start for all 16 games. First overall pick. There's no one there to challenge him. And he has, like I going back to the rushing, look at a guy like Gardner Minshew last year. No one thought Gardner was going to do shit. Six-round pick. Now we got a guy who's one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen come out of college who also has the wheels. Minshew threw up 344 yards rushing. I have Burrow, I think, just under 300. But that's nothing to bat an eye at, especially considering his throwing now. I have him tossing 30 touchdowns, which could be a hot take but because that is an NFL record. So I love Burrow. They're going to be in positions where he's going to need to throw for them to win games or stay in games. And he's got the weapons around him. And it's actually pretty deep. Like I know AJ Green's a big concern. If he gets hurt, Auden Tate is the deep threat. T Higgins can develop and become the guy who plays opposite of Auden Tate. And then Tyler Boyd stays in the slide. He's been pretty durable his whole career. And then you got John Ross breaking that element of speed. So love me some Joe Burrow this year. And he is a guy you can get in the double digit rounds in your drafts as of right now. So be sure to take advantage of Joe Burrow in this year's draft. So, Al, yeah. who's your quarterback? Yeah, first of all, I'm all in on Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be uh, fantastic in his NFL career. Um, a lot of high praise out of Auden Tate, and I just don't really necessarily agree with that. Dude, I'm, it's not me. Like, beat reports. They're saying I'm, – I'm watching, following Twitter, and they'd be like, Joe Burrow, start to drive from his own 30, completes picks up six first downs and hits Auden Tate for a touchdown and I see that over and over and over it's always Auden Tate catching those touchdown passes and it's first team offense and first team defense so Auden Tate's with the starters going against the first team D so yeah that's just what's coming out of camp I agree I don't think Auden Tate's the most talented receiver on their team but if Joe Burrow and him have a connection early that's definitely something to pay attention to so Auden Tate check your dynasty waiver wires and uh, maybe a late round flyer if you have a, a last round pick you don't know what to do with. Auden Tate's not a bad dart throw. So, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going with another number one overall pick, a dog himself, just like Joe Burrow, and division rival Joe Burrow. Or no, not Joe Burrow. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Dude, Baker, you know, you saw him come in. He only played 14 games in 2018, played all 16 in 2019. He did have a little bit of a hip strain. But, I mean, his numbers were comparable. He did do a little better his rookie year, though, in the 14-game season, uh, which was 2018. He threw 3,000, just over 3,700 yards and had 27 touchdowns in 2019. He had just over 3,800 yards, but through 22 touchdowns. Very comparable in numbers. Very comparable. Um, had he played all 16 games in 2018, he probably would have done better yardage-wise than he did last year. Um, but, you know, probably the reason why that team, I think just overall last year, how – you know, you didn't see things like really start to progress until later on was you had Freddie Kitchens there running the dumpster fire team. They had Nick Chubb in the backfield. They didn't have Kareem Hunt for 10 games. Once Kareem Hunt came back after 10 games, you really saw like the running back start to take like a more prolific like role in that offense. You had OBJ come in. He's learned a new system. He's also trying to figure out how to not be 
the center of attention. He's also hurt. Yeah, but then on the set, same time, you have Jarvis Landry over there minding his own damn business like he always does, being very underrated. No one ever gets so many credit. You have the Joku tied in who is still trying to make a name for himself, also got hurt. I think he broke his hand or his wrist. So, you know, I think this year Baker spent a lot of the, the offseason saying that he's focused, he's prepared, he's been throwing the balls to the guys. Um, they drafted a, a lineman to, to help out with protection. That dude's freaking massive. Jedrick Wills Jr. Yeah, man. dude. He's going to provide so much protection for Baker. I think it's episode um, three, your reaction to Jedrick Wills was – priceless check that one out undervalued players we talk about um i forget who it might have been baker at the time actually talking about how jedrick wills is really going to help him stay upright because he is a That's large true, man. man and you know and baker he's got a little bit of set of wheels on him he can he's 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 more mobile than people give him credit for yeah. he's one of the most uh, accurate quarterbacks in college football history coming oh, out yeah. he also won a heisman yeah and yeah last year he just never had a clean pocket to throw from yeah, I addressed his, that this year. His player comp is Drew Brees, who mm. arguably pretty good. Player you profiler, know? referencing that. Oh yeah, yeah. And so you know, I think Baker's gonna have a pretty good year this year. So keep your eyes open, dude. I like the call on Baker, and he burned so many people last year that no one's gonna want to draft him. He was ranked as like a top five quarterback heading into twenty twenty. Or 2019, I apologize, and then absolutely shit the bed. So Baker could be a great value this year, especially with a healthy OBJ, full season of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in that backfield. Um, that being said, Nick Chubb is low for me. Kareem Hunt, I think they just eat each other's value up. But we're not talking about them this yeah, episode. They're a tag team that can be very dynamic. Oh yeah, but neither like Nick Chubb's not going to be the guy if he was had the backfield to himself. Like I'm not drafting Nick Chubb in the first or second round this year. I'd go other places. Um, just cause I, I don't think he's going to get the receiving work. Chubb's going to eat it. But anyways, yeah, I like the call on Baker. So look for him in your mid to late rounds. I think you could see him fall into the double digits. Even he's ranked near, I think QB 20. So I could be making that up, but he's down there. He's not going to be a guy that's taken like in the, the Kyler Murray range this year. So I have him in our uh, our dynasty league. I thought you traded then, him. No, different I league. Still have him. Okay, I still have him. And then in our redraft league, man, we got two Browns guys that I'm going to have to compete with. Yeah, it's going to be tough. So actually, transitioning, my next player plays for your team. We're going to move on to our running backs. This is the one, the only, the hot hand himself, Jonathan Taylor. Dude's a stud. Absolute stud. Jonathan Taylor, we all know, went to the University of Wisconsin. Three years he played there. Every single year he eclipsed 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Twice, he only needed his rushing yards to eclipse 2,000 yards. He put up two consecutive 2,000-yard rushing seasons. Won the Doak Walker twice, the best running back in the, uh, the nation. Drafted in the second round by the Colts. They traded up with their second pick in the second round to grab Taylor, they drafted Michael Pittman first. And that does say something to me that they valued getting Pittman. And they're like, if we get Taylor, that's great. But then they traded up to make sure they got Taylor. 
So he lands on one of the, like a team with one of the best offensive lines in all of the NFL, probably top three, top five offensive line. Speaking of uh, player profiler, he comps to Ezekiel Elliott. And I honestly think that's such a perfect comp. So like player profiler, I had a discussion on Twitter about this tool particularly. And was, I remember CD Lamb's player comp was Jerry Rice. So I was like, oh my God, like CD Lamb's going to be the 1.01 in rookie drafts and maybe even real drafts if you're getting Jerry Rice. But they look at college production and measurables. So they look at the kind of athletes that the two players are and then look at kind of a production skill set or production um, database, I guess, and see how do these guys rack up? So Zeke and Jonathan Taylor, both workhorses are both about the same size, about six foot, 5'10 to six foot, 225 pounds, um, similar athletic measurables. So like you had just comped or said that Drew, Drew Brees and Baker Mayfield lined up. That's because Baker Mayfield's like a little bit of an undersized quarterback, quote unquote, because they all say Drew Brees is too short to play, but he's been doing it for 20 years. Um, and hyper accurate, you know, that's what they had on Baker going into college was he was a hyper accurate quarterback, which is so true, but it doesn't mean he's going to have the same career arc as Drew Brees. Similarly, Jonathan Taylor might not have the same career arc as Zeke, but I'd be, be better. I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah, he might be better. So his situation. So when Zeke landed in <clears> Dallas, <throat> he still does really have one of the best offensive lines in the country. If you look at what Zeke or in the country, in the NFL, sorry, college football uh, invading my brain. But if you look at what Zeke did behind that offensive line and you look at JT, who's faster, stronger, you could argue more of a well-rounded athlete than Zeke was, which is saying a lot. I could see JT being better and even putting up a better rookie season than Zeke did. The problem is the backfield's super crowded. So you have Marlon Mack, the incumbent back there, and Naheem Hines, who is the pass-catching guy, and he's been getting a lot of buzz out of camp. I personally am not worried because the pedigree that Jonathan Taylor brings into the NFL, 2,000-yard rusher consistently. I've seen Twitter buzz, I think, at uh, Ray JQ, Ray GQ, uh, Destination Debbie. I follow him. He's a great follow. He said he'd put money on JT being the next 2,000-yard rusher in the NFL. doesn't mean it's going to happen this year. We rarely see 2,000-yard rushers, but he said the next guy that does it, he would put money on it being Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor has some experience rushing for 2,000 yards already in college. So JT is a rare, like generationally rare combination of vision to see lanes develop power at five foot 10, 226 pounds. He can break tackles. He can shove defenders off of him and speed and burst and agility to hit a hole and not look back and no one's going to catch him. So when you look at his situation behind the Colts offensive line with all of his athletic measurables and his ability to actually like just see the field in a way that he processes things so quickly to process his angles, knows where he has to go and how he has to run to beat the entire defense and no one on the field can catch him with that speed. So I drafted Jonathan Taylor in the redraft league last night at 3.11. And I honestly think that he could be a top 10 running back by the time it's all said and done. The Colts have said they're going to roll with the hot hand. And 
Jonathan Taylor could be the hot hand in week one versus a depleted Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor throws up a hundred scrimmage yards and a touchdown or two in week one and puts the whole league on notice immediately. So really excited about Jonathan Taylor this year in the third round. I think you're getting an absolute steal and a guy that could be a top 10 running back for sure. So, and also I guess speaking, if you draft Taylor and he doesn't pan out right away, but he can be a flex play or you're running back too, as the season progresses and Marlon Mack gets hurt or Jonathan Taylor does just take the role and he is the three down back. back is, he's just bound to get hurt. He's made of glass. He gets hurt every year, but Taylor could be a guy that really just hits his stride right at fantasy playoff time. So you're getting RB two performances consistently out of a guy you got in the third round. That's pretty normal. And then once you get to playoffs where you need to win, Taylor is this workhorse three down back. Who's getting you a hundred scrimmage yards a game and a touchdown that's within his range of possibilities every single week. So smash draft in the third round. Taylor's great. So who, who do you have? Go ahead and toss it over to you for your first running back. And we'll go to our next one. The, uh, well, I'm slowly, I'm slowly, and I don't know why anyone would be against it, but I am on board for Taylor being the, the week one starter over Mac for the Colts. They're saying that Mac might get like the, the veterans respect of getting like the first snap and then it'll just be Taylor. So yeah. I can see and both. I think, and I saw, I, I think, I think Taylor could easily take, you know, the reception duties away from Hines. That's a good point too. Like watching his pro day, like people act like he just has brick hands. He catches the ball fluidly. And mm-hmm. I've said it before when you have a guy that rushes for 2000 yards and back-to-back seasons, why do you need him to catch passes too? It's not something Wisconsin asked him to do. It doesn't mean he can't do it. So yeah. Zeke had the same knocks. Zeke was a guy who was arguably the best pure runner in the NFL, and that still stands. And they're this guy, oh, he doesn't catch the ball. And then he goes out one year and puts up 95 targets in the season and catches like 70 balls. And people are like, oh, he can catch. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor takes that same path where it's just because he hasn't done it before doesn't mean he can't do it. So yeah. yeah, I think Taylor, yeah, he's got a three down skill set for sure. Hines will I'm I think you'll see Hines kind of fall into the special teams. He'll do punt and kickoff returns, which he does now, and he's very good at them. He had two punt returns last year for touchdowns in one game. You know? He's very good at that. So I mean they'll all fall into a role. Marlon Mack will eventually become the backup there, which is probably the right thing to do, seeing how the dude gets turfed out before he walks on the fucking field. So he won't be on the team next year either. So JT no, and Dynasty fire him up. Unless he's willing to like take very average pay, he's not going to be re-signed by the Colts. Yep. But anyway, my first running back that I want to showcase, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. There we go. You know, another rookie. Uh He's drafted 32nd pick in the, in the first round by the Kansas City Chiefs. The, you know, this is just my guy. I mean, he's very comparable to Kareem Hunt. You saw what Kareem Hunt was able to do with in Kansas City with Andy Reid in that offense. Um, he came out of Toledo, very, you know, it's a Mac school um, football program. For the Mac is very shitty. 
Toledo's typically uh, one of the better schools that's in the MAC, but you know you have Hilaire here who came out of SEC, played for LSU, uh, won the national championship, and had a very active role in that offense. So you could say you could argue that he's more prepared for the NFL than Kareem Hunt ever was. Um, and you know it's kind of a similar situation where I mean Hilaire was going to see was going to see the field no matter what. But they both kind of fell into that starting job because of injury. And in this case, an opt out. Yeah. yeah. Same but thing. I mean, you see the, just the way that he fits into that offense is if, I mean, it's perfect for a skill set. He's got the speed. He can be a runner between the tackles if he needed to be. He can go outside if he needed to be. He can catch the ball. I mean, at LSU, he had 10% of the target share last year. The season before that, he only had 3.6. In 2019, though, between 2018 and 2019, he 2018 he had seven touchdowns, total touchdowns, and last year he had 17. I mean, it just shows you how active he was in that offense. And I think he's going to be with Tyreek Hill on the outside and probably Hardman on the other side. And all was his nuts at tight end. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be the pickings for Hilaire out there in the backfield. Yeah, I love that pick. And Alaire was a guy – you've been high on him since we started this little venture. One of your first articles you wrote was, if you don't like Clyde Edwards Alaire, you can leave or something along those lines. Uh, that's on our website, which is in our link tree, which is pinned to both our Instagram and our Twitter, at A to ZFFB. Check it out. Uh, you've been in on Alaire for a long time, before the draft even. And then he lands in Kansas City, where he's Did presumably the two – and then now he's the one in dynasty league you stole him i looked at that trade and i i'm so disappointed in dalton so i even talked to dalton i said you cannot leave this trade without alan robinson and he did he got stefan Diggs instead of alan robinson i was just like i tried to Which help I, dude i had you know john brown i couldn't couldn't have two bills receivers and their quarterback i tried to help dalton and he did not take the advice. And, you know, it is what it is. It's not my job to run his team, but you absolutely. And then Alaire falling into the starting gig, which he arguably would have taken anyways. Okay. Yeah. And Alaire is a guy. So question for you, our home league is a one keeper. You are not selecting a keeper and you have the second overall pick. Are you taking CEH at the 102? No, and here's why. Just because, so, and I hate to broadcast the game plan, but here. Well, hold up, hold up. Let me provide more context about the league. Just a second. So it's a 12-teamer, and your keeper, so some leagues, the keeper counts as, like, the round you drafted them in. So if I drafted Lamar Jackson in the 10th, I could keep Lamar as my 10th-round pick and still have a first-round pick. Our league, it runs different. If you keep a guy, it counts as your first-round pick. So I'm keeping Alvin Kamara. I pick from the 110. So I don't have a pick in the first round, but I have Alvin Kamara. And there's a, a number of players that are kept. So who would normally be like, he's not going to have the option. Alex is not going to have the option to take Saquon Barkley at 1.02 because he's already kept at like 1.08. So that's why I asked like 1.02 is way too high for a layer in normal leagues, but in our format, since a lot of other players are already off the board, 
this is where the conversation becomes interesting. Is he willing to take him as his first round pick, knowing that all these other guys are already kept? So, sorry, go ahead. What's your little game plan here? So, because there were only like, I want to say four or five players kept. And so, like, I had Derek Henry. I could have kept Derek Henry. But just knowing that there might be, you know, higher ranked players above Derek Henry, I chose not to keep anyone. Neil who is ahead of me, also didn't keep anyone. So now I have the second overall pick, all right? So I can take my second overall pick. We can go through the first round, and it's a snake draft. So instead of, like, you know, the person who won the Super Bowl in our league having the first pick in the second round, it restarts. This is where this is where our league is a bitch because I thought I it would snake second, out of the first. Yeah. And I have the second pick in the second round. And so then I it snakes take, in the third. You know, I could take McCaffrey at two if Neil doesn't, or I could take, you know, Zeke at Did two. Did CMC really not get kept? I don't know. I'd have to check, honestly. But, you know, I could take I could take anyone in the first round. I could take Michael Thomas, which I think he got kept. But, you know, and then in the second round, because he, like, him and Hilaire and Taylor aren't going in the first round. Yeah, they're all kept. Well, I I would not take anyone because I have Kamara at 10. So, yeah. So, it'll I could be up- easily take one of those two in the second round. And I'm, I'm going to have to because they're not going to make it back to me in the third. No, because once it snakes, I have the second or third pick in the third round. Yeah, and I have the 11th pick in the third. So, round. I have the 10th in the second and the third in the third. And, yeah, it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of really, really good talent for sure. But yeah, but no, I would no. I'm probably not taking him in the first round, but I'm even the second round seems. It seems like you could get him realistically, and then you'd have two top ten guys to start your team out, which is huge. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Our our league drafts in like two weeks or something, so I'm really excited about that. But yeah, anyways, Al, do you just want to go ahead and do your second guy, and then I'll finish off the running backs. We'll move into wide receivers. So yeah, man, my awesome. second running back is Devin Singletary interesting yeah so and it even came out today that he was having some uh fumbling issues which you know i don't like to read in that a little bit too much it could just be a case of the yips uh but Devin singletary size wise size wise in kind of I don't know. I don't want to say skill set because they are a little different. But definitely size wise, Devin Singletary and CH are very comparable. You know, they're both five seven, around two hundred pounds. Uh, Underrated just, athletes. Yeah, they're just kind of built in the same. They have the same build. Um, Devin Singletary last year didn't put up like amazing numbers, but he did all right. I mean, he started the season as the third or fourth string running back. Um, very quickly became the starter. You know, he was the 10th pick in the third round. He came out of a small school. The, uh, you know, he had 775 rushing yards last year. Uh, only 194 receiving yards. He had only had four drops, though, in the receiving game. With an inaccurate quarterback. Well, if he dropped it, his hands were on it, but yeah. Um. But then, you know, he only had four total touchdowns. I definitely think you're going to see those that touchdown rate go up 
um, overall, this this offseason, the Bills have just gotten a lot better. Um, you know, Josh Allen had another year to kind of mature and figure things out. I think this is going to be a big year for Josh Allen. I think he's going to improve up better than he did last year. And now that they, even though the the, the offense has added Stephon Diggs, uh, I think that's going to help out uh, Singletary a lot just because, you know, it opens up the play action a little bit more. He's my guy, man. I mean, okay. he's just not one my guy. He's currently going at the back of the fourth round. So ADP is 59th overall. So a guy that could slot in as your running back too, if you pick a wide receiver in the first few rounds and then need a, a running back on the way back around, Singletary is a great option. I am personally fading Singletary pretty hard. The fumbling issues, not so much, but just the acquisition of Zach Moss and what the coaching staff has been saying about his role in the offense, plus the the camp buzz that he is a better pass catcher than they anticipated. They drafted Moss to fill the Frank Frank, goal, Frank Gore role, and now they're seeing that he can do more. So that is something to note. But Singletary was exceptional last year when he was called upon, and I, I do think he goes up in touchdowns because four for a guy of his talent is low but i think his touchdowns are going to have to come on bigger plays because it appears zach moss has that goal line work and he's also zach moss is going like in the the ninth or tenth round so he could be a guy if you get singletary you get moss but then you have to talk like talk yourself into locking up a single backfield for the buffalo bills which historically has never been that great but they are an offense that likes to run the ball and Singletary showed last year he has a ton of value to the offense so I like the pick I think his value with the fumble news like if you're really not worried about that other players in your league might read into that more and he could fall a few spots and become an even better value so I don't mind Singletary I won't draft him so you don't have to worry about me sniping him from you but he could be a guy he was a, a guy early in the offseason that had like breakout potential for sure I think the Moss draft pick kind of cast a shadow, but doesn't mean that Singletary can't return value on where he's being drafted right now. So I have another guy later down the board going around the same spot as Moss. I think I I actually drafted both of these guys in the league I drafted last night. Um, I drafted six running backs and five of them were rookies. So I'm really, really leaning into this, uh, this rookie running back class. My next, my guy at the running back position is Antonio Gibson. He's been one of the hottest topics of debate amongst fantasy Twitter all off season with the departure of Darius Geis for being trash. Gibson finds himself in a, in a position similar. I'm not saying that Gibson and Allaire are the same player. Like they're absolutely not, but you have a, a super talented freak athlete, like one of the top athletes in the class. His measurables are virtually identical to Jonathan Taylor. He's a little bit taller, same weight, same speed score, 99th percentile. They both ran a 4.3940 yard dash. The knock on Gibson is he only had 77 career touches at Memphis. He played there for two seasons. But when I look at his tape, watch a little bit of his film, he pops off the screen. He's absolutely electric with the ball in his hands. His senior year, he had 
33 carries for 369 yards. So 11.2 yards a pop on the ground and then added 38 receptions for 735 yards. He can do both things. The knock on Taylor is, oh, he can't catch. And we already talked about that. Like, I don't think that's necessarily true. But Gibson is a guy who literally was a hybrid player, played running back and wide receiver. We can talk about Gibson's lack of college experience all we want. But the fact of the matter is he's on an NFL team that absolutely needs weapons on the offensive side of the ball badly. Kelvin Harmon got hurt. Steven Sims is uh, the slot guy who's projected to be their number two. Terry McLaurin is really the only sure thing they have on that offense. They don't really have an emerging tight end. Thaddeus Moss has already been put on IR. Logan Thomas is like 29 and supposedly getting a bunch of buzz on Twitter. So I'm out on that. Gibson has the the chops to play wide receiver. He has the shiftiness and the burst to play running back and take handoffs. He's been working with the first team offense in practice over Bryce Love. We talked about Bryce Love versus Gibson on our previous pod, I believe. And so go check that out. Sorry. Um, I was on Gibson's side and Gibson's a guy that I am targeting and I'm willing to reach for at this point in drafts to acquire him onto my teams because like where I'm getting him, he's going to be on my bench. I'm not relying on Gibson for anything immediately, but he could be a guy as soon as like week two or three, where you see his role is clearly established. And if he's lining up in the slot and getting running like 10 to 15 routes per game, and then goes and gets like, 10 carries out of the backfield, those, all those opportunities are going to add up. And with a player with his speed, his size and his, his explosiveness and the offense that just is totally begging for any sort of talent and explosiveness, like they got a guy in Gibson and we talked about how Rivera's comped him to Christian McCaffrey, which don't read too much into that. I think what that mostly speaks to is he can run and he can catch. So, but Gibson is an exceptional athlete who can do both those things on a team. Ron Rivera drafted him. That's important to note. We talked about love versus Gibson love had already been there before the, the current coaching staff. And it's important to know and look at the personnel on the team. Who does that personnel or that coaching staff want on their team? And they went out and drafted Gibson knowing they had Bryce love already. So Geis was obviously an unexpected departure. So I, again, lean Gibson in the fact that, that coaching staff knew what they were getting in Gibson and they picked him with a third round pick, I believe to uh, get him on the team. So he's a, a high risk, high reward player, but his ceiling is so high. And at a point in the draft where you're really drafting for upside, there's no bigger upside play this year than Antonio Gibson. I think he, I have him ranked as like RB 31 or 32. He could absolutely end up as a, uh, 24 to 20 guy and if he really hits and fires in all cylinders he could be inside that top 15 so um yeah gibson eighth ninth tenth round i'm reaching for him in the eighth at this point so yeah wide receivers al go ahead and kick us off and my first wide receiver is dj shark he uh i think you you saw last year when Minshew was playing quarterback dj shark was doing pretty well in the offense there. Uh, let me scroll up here. Uh, he had 73 receptions for 1,000 yards last year, six or eight touchdowns. 
he had 281 yards after catch and air yards, uh, completed air yards to Chark last year with 727 yards. So it just shows you he has that that deep threat. You know, he can go down the field. He's got the speed. Um, average separation between him and the closest defender was a one and a half yards. Um, you know, the dude's got it. And compared, I think his rookie year, he only had like a hundred and some yards in 10 games or something like that. Let me look this up. Yeah, he had 174 yards in 10 games. And so last year he played 15 games and he had over a thousand. He definitely came in as the number or came into his own as the number one wide receiver on that team. Um, do you know, and it's kind of looking like this year they're going with Gardner Minshew as their quarterback. So I think they're going to be able to repeat that, that connection. And you know, you're sitting, you're hearing buzz out of camp that DJ Shark and DD Westbrook are kind of the top two guys that Minshew has been targeting. Um, you know, you might, they have, they drafted LaVisca Chenault, which could kind of eat into the target share there. I doubt it. Just, you know, he's, I mean, he's good. Um, I don't know that he's going to be great his rookie year. Uh, you know, I'm trying to build up chart, but it's a little bit of a knock on the Jaguars. They're not the greatest team. Well, that, I think that, that does help chart. Yeah, they're gonna yeah. be in negative game strips all the time. Like Visca yeah, can I mean, have a great like, year, and Chark like can Matt, also have safe targets. It's kind of like Matt Stafford, dude. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why he's gonna be good is because they're always in garbage time. Mm-hmm. And so oh. DJ Chark's gonna have that that chance, that opportunity to catch those deep balls, or you know, just pray for a touchdown throw. And so, I mean, that's it's someone to look at. It's definitely someone I'm I'm eyeing. So. Yeah, I've seen him go pretty consistently in the fifth round, and he's got definite like back end wide receiver one upside. I have him, I think, at RB or at wide receiver seventeen, so kind of in the middle of that wide receiver group. But that I looked at like the point differential between like my RB thirteen and my RB twenty, and they're all within just a couple points. So anything can happen in that middle tier of like wide receiver twos it's a really competitive group. So you really can't go wrong. And Chark is a great guy to target in those rounds for sure. Another guy I have ranked really high. I think you do as well, but it's the other DJ. It's well, I actually have two DJs. DJ Moore is my first, my guy at wide receiver. And he's not really a secret. I hesitated picking him as a, my guy, but referencing this draft last night, I got him in the fourth round. And I have him ranked as a top 10 guy. So getting a top 10 guy, I'm not saying he's going to be, but my rankings personally have him inside that top 10. So I drafted based off of my own rankings. And to get more in the fourth round, I was so excited. You look at all the things that Moore is working with. He's got an upgrade at quarterback in Bridgewater. I think contextually looking at, that quarterback change, you sometimes look and see coaching staff changes and offensive coordinators and new personnel in the building is a bad thing. Well, that coach or the, so Matt rules the head coach and Joe Brady is the offensive coordinator. Joe Brady worked with new Orleans. He knows Teddy Bridgewater. He also ran an offense or worked with an offense with Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas is to the saints. What DJ Moore is to the Panthers 
the OC knows the quarterback, and DJ Moore is hella talented. I he's gonna get all the targets he can handle this year. They're again similar to the Jaguars. Their defense is super young with Luke Keekley retiring. They're pretty bad. So they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts, especially in the conference they play in. The NFC South is arguably the like most competitive Sad, conference. No. It's oh my god! So three probably like arguably like so Brady and Breeze definitely Hall of Fame. Matt Ryan has been an absolute stud his whole career, and he's always a guy that is very competitive, even with like pretty bad teams and bad situations. So this team is going to have to play those teams twice this year, and there's going to be just shootouts, especially with a defense as bad as Carolina's. DJ Moore's in line for just a massive year. Last year, he had over 1,100 yards. He almost scored four touchdowns. So if you bump that up to six or seven touchdowns, which is typically what you see in a guy that has that many yards, he finishes inside the top 10. And on that note, heading into the final week of the fantasy season, I believe, he ranked as the wide receiver eight. And then he got injured on like the first player, the first series of that game and didn't come back. So he finished the year in half PPR scoring as wide receiver 18. I put an asterisk next to that because if he plays that whole game and puts up hundred yard game and scores a touchdown. He's probably still in that top 10 conversation and he's not a breakout or a sleeper. He is an absolute locked in stud. who's going to get 130, 140 targets and have the upside to catch six to eight touchdowns this year. And yeah, DJ Moore in the fourth round is an absolute smash draft for me. Should be for you too. He's super safe. Like you look at guys, I, I don't know. We talk about like the volatility of a Tyree kill, um, Amari Cooper, especially looking in the fourth round, like Amari Cooper, Cooper cup, DJ Moore. These are guys you could be picking between. And I take DJ Moore there every time because his volume is the most safe. Cooper plays on a team with two other legitimate stud wide receivers and cup. We saw the last half of 2019 where he kind of just totally fell off the, the wagon in terms of his offensive production based on the offensive scheme. So DJ Moore is lined up in the slot. His targets are super safe, even with CMC there. And then now adding Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel taking another step this year, Moore's going to have the middle of the field all to himself. So targets, 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 and he's athletic enough to bust off a run after the catch and score. So yeah, DJ Moore's my first, my guy. Al, you want to go your second? You want me to go? You can go. All right, man. I've been waiting for this all year. So this is, if I had to pick one guy off this list, if you say you have to pick one, my guy, this would be it. It's Deontay. It's Deontay Johnson, Deion Bay, the ultimate my guy. Talked about him all off season. Hashtag Deontay seasons pinned in the Twitter bio. I don't really know based off what I just really liked what I saw last year. I had him on a couple dynasty leagues or dynasty teams last year was my first year playing dynasty and Deontay felt like a guy that I just hit out of nowhere. Cause I honestly didn't know what I was doing. Um, it's been a really big year of growth educationally and kind of just strategically in terms of how dynasty works. So once I understood the value that I actually got in drafting Deontay Johnson, I got so excited and just did a, a deep dive into Deontay multiple times throughout the offseason to kind of contextualize how good he was in like considering the situation that he was playing through. He led the entire NFL, not just rookies, all of the NFL in separation created per route run at 2.39 yards. So we saw a guy like DJ Chark, it was a yard and a half. Deontay is 
almost two and a half yards away from a defender coming out of the break. That's wide open by NFL standards. His rookie year market share was 18.9%. That's very competitive. And you have to also think that Juju was hurt and Deontay was really leaned into. And I think that's encouraging. I think Juju obviously will be the one there, but Juju is only the one if they have a solid two, if the defenses opposing defenses know that the offense is running through Juju, then that's not going to be great. So I'm counting on Deontay. I think Steelers fans are as well to take that step. So Juju can return to form. So a 19% market share essentially as a rookie is awesome. It showed that he can handle a good amount of targets. He had 92 targets, 67 of those were deemed catchable targets. So that really speaks to, the quarterback situation, it's no secret. Uh, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, arguably the worst quarterback situation in the entire league. I'm trying to think if there was a worse one. And the only one that comes to mind is maybe Kyle Allen, but he had a few like serviceable fantasy weeks where Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, you never even thought about picking up, up, picking them up or starting them. So it was an abysmal year for Pittsburgh, but Johnson was that lone bright spot. So 92 targets, 67 catchable targets, which led to an 88.1 true catch rate. So true catch is how many of his targets are catchable and how many of the catchable targets did he catch? 88.1%. So it's very solid. 16th in the league amongst hundreds of wide receivers when you factor in all the player data that was sorted through. And another thing to note is in week two, he got a sports hernia. So he played through that the entire season. He played in every game. He earned a starting role, I think, in week three and built on that from there. So he was an absolute stud. He fits the A-B role in the offense. Again, I've said it before. I'm not saying he is A-B, but I'm not saying he's not A-B because if you look at their athletic measurables, they're virtually identical. Same size, same speed, same weight, same vertical, like – it's all very, very, very close. It's not a mirror image, but you look at him and be like, that's basically the same guy. So the best attribute to Johnson's game is his versatility at a smaller frame. He's only like 5'10", about I think 190 pounds. He did add some weight this season or this off season. So he could be pushing 195 now. So a more physical receiver who can line up outside at his frame, just like AB did and create separation like Juju cannot. And AB was a, an absolute master at. So as a rookie leading the league in separation, and he only lined up, let me see here, I think 48 times in the slot. So 48 snaps from the slot. Yep, 7.9% of his snaps, not his targets, total snaps on the year he took from the slot, which means he lined up outside so much. He didn't need to be in the slot to find success like we see with Juju. So Johnson's going to be on the field because they need an outside threat. They have James Washington and they have Chase Claypool. I think that battle is exclusively between those two guys. Johnson, I think, has that wide receiver two role locked up and he gets Big Ben back, which is like the big bow on top is he has a real quarterback. So I love Deontay Johnson. He was like the offseason darling and I felt bandwagony, but I know that before we even joined Twitter, I was like, I wouldn't shut the hell up about Deontay Johnson. Al, you can probably attest to that. So 
Yeah, Johnson, I have him as a hot take, which we didn't do a hot take article or anything. I think he can finish as a top 20 wide receiver, and he's currently going in the eighth or ninth or even 10th round with um, some of the the buzz fading as we actually approach draft season. So, yeah, all in on Deontay. Love the talent, love the player. And, um, yeah, bought myself a signed jersey just to, to prove it. So, Al, wide Close receiver. Girl, dude. Yeah, I, I won't even deny it. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Dude, my second wide receiver, and if anyone ever listens to this podcast, I don't think you're going to find this shocking, but it's Michael Pittman. No way. Yeah, way, dude. And, you know, if the Colts – if he's going to be as good as the Colts project him to be, this dude's going to be an absolute dog. Each year – he played four years at USC. Each year he got better. His last season – he had played 13 games, had 101 receptions, uh, 1,275 yards, and 11 touchdowns. He had his target share was 26.5%. So every time he's out, they're just eyeing him, eyeing him for the ball. His combine grades, he had a 4.5240. His speed was 18 miles an hour. His arm length, his hand size is nine nine inches, and his arm length is like seven feet. I mean, this guy has the reach. His vertical jump was 36 inches. He has every ability to do what he needs to do to be good. I mean, he has the attributes, the IQ, skill, the team surrounding him. You have Philip Rivers as your quarterback. Granted, it's not Philip Rivers of 10 years ago, but I mean, Philip Rivers from the clips you see out of camp, he's doing pretty well slinging the ball around. Um, you know, they have a good offensive line to keep Philip Rivers alive and to give him time for, you know, Pittman to get down the field, make a play, separate from the defender, and catch the ball. I mean, Pittman. Pittman is going to be the receiver for that team this year. I mean, I can't stress that enough. Really? I think he's going to see, out of all the receivers on that team, Paris Campbell, maybe. But Michael, Michael Pittman is my projection to be the top receiver for the Colts this year. In terms of fantasy points scored or, like, targets? I think he could see less targets but still score the most points. That's totally within the realm of possibility. I think – a guy like Hilton could still see more targets, but Pittman could get more touchdowns. Yeah. So which one is it? Points or targets? Fancy. Fancy. Okay. Yeah. I that's I think other people think it's a hot take. I don't. Fuck it. They drafted Pittman ahead of Jonathan Taylor. You know, like they valued Pittman in their draft war room more than a guy like Taylor who Dude, we already talked look, about Taylor. If you just look at everything Pittman has done and can do. And then the situation he is, he's in with that Colts offense. I mean, he's he if he's not good, it'll be the biggest bust. Since Ryan Leaf. Yeah. I don't know about, I don't know about that. The biggest bust. Huge bust. <laughs> It'd be surprising because, yeah, he's set up for success. I agree. I, I think Pittman's in a fantastic situation. Um, yeah, and you, we've brought it up before. The Colts have lacked size at wide receiver for years ever so 
Yeah, I know you, we, we kind of joke about you being a, a big Pittman guy, especially late in redraft leagues, but that's where you can get him. You can get him with like one of your last picks. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, he's worth it. Around. He's going to be you on the field. The, you can get him in the 12th round of a, like a 15 round redraft. Yeah, he's 100% worth a flyer. And you're going to see week one or week two, is he involved? If he's not, you can cut him. If he is, you're like, okay, I got something here. You can either use it as trade value or if he really pops off or if you have an injury to your team. That's like these depth plays are super important. So I have an honorable mention wide receiver that I want to, uh, to hit on really quick before we move on. I've I'll tell you on. if I agree or not. Oh, you probably won't because he plays for the Raiders with Brian Edwards. I've talked about him a few episodes in a row now. I'm not impressed. I had like on Twitter earlier, I was talking to a buddy and I was like, I reached on Brian Kelly in this draft last night, like MJ from freaking space jam, like, reach reach and i have no regrets brian edwards is projected to be the x receiver in oakland so he's going to be that guy lined up out wide Derek carr former quarterback at fresno state played with green bay packers wide receiver Devontae adams also at fresno state carr i think it's dangerous to read too much into this comparison but what comes after Cars compared Edwards to Devontae Adams in terms of the contested catchability, the ability to break in and out of routes. He's compared this rookie from South Carolina and Brian Edwards to a player like Devontae Adams. And I think the important piece is he says, I just trust him. That's insanely rare for a rookie to say or earn that trust from a veteran in especially this kind of camp environment where it's been shortened. They haven't had all the time to gel and coalesce. And Carr says, I just trust him. He knows he can throw the ball up. He knows Edwards is going to be where he's supposed to be. And Edwards has the speed. He has the hands. He's a fantastic route runner. He just broke his foot and couldn't compete at the combine. I think if he's at the combine, he's a guy that has a a late first, early second round grade on him based on his college pedigree. If you watch his highlights, like I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you're bored, throw on – Brian Edwards, South Carolina highlights, man amongst boys. So, and in that same vein, you look at every other receiver on their roster. Tyrell Williams is hurt. He's got a torn labrum he's going to try to play through. So that's a matter of time. Henry Ruggs, short speed guy. They're saying he's going to play out of the slot. Edwards is six foot three, 215 pounds. Ruggs is like 5'11", a buck 90, just a burner. Edwards is going to be that guy. He's, he gets, he's a red zone threat. He could see really, really meaningful work. And another guy that pick him up late, I reach for him super early because I really believe in the talent of Brian Edwards. So I said it a few weeks ago. I said Brian Edwards is really moving quickly into Deontay Johnson territory in terms of how much I really love this player. So next on my list is to get some, some signed Brian Edwards gear. So shout out to Brian Edwards. Hook a brother up. I'd appreciate it. Um, yeah, you'll be on tons of my fantasy teams this year, and I'm really excited to see what Edwards can do. So that being said, we'll go ahead and transition. Final position of the night. Not even sure how long this pot is, but it could be a while, and I apologize for that. But we're about done. Uh, my my guy at tight end is Hayden Hurst. This dates back months, I think like January or February, when you and I had the oh so infamous debate of Hayden Hurst versus OJ Howard it's pretty much immediately after Hurst was traded to the Falcons 
It's Dude, not. If Gronk hadn't been signed, yeah. I'd still be. At, I'd still be on Howard's side. It's not a fair debate at this point uh, because of the Gronk signing. But I was very firmly in favor of Hurst, and the reason why is because he's just a very talented player. You look at. I think he also went to South Carolina and they, the Ravens initially drafted him to be this vertical threat tight end. And they also drafted in that same draft class, they drafted Hurst, Jackson, Andrews in that order, which is shocking that they valued Hurst over Lamar Jackson, who now is the MVP. And then Andrews just is better. And I've said it before that it's, it's not Hayden Hurst's fault that Mark Andrews is just a, fantastic tight end Hurst had some injury issues and that just kept him off the field and that gave Andrews this time and this ability to break out into this superstar tight end that he is none of that is Hayden Hurst's fault the Falcons saw a guy that they believe in they see a ton of talent and they gave up a second round pick to acquire a first round talent and they also just said by Austin Hooper Austin Hooper was in like a contract year and the Falcons did not even offer him a contract. They didn't even offer him a low ball deal to stay with the team. They just said no. And Austin Hooper went to the Browns. Hayden Hurst walks in to one of the best situations. I think the Falcons have the most vacated targets in the NFL closely followed, I think by the Cowboys. So Hurst, I think like a lot of people, like he's not going to do the same thing Hooper did. Like why the hell not? He's just as good. He's been working very hard with Matt Ryan all offseason. Uh, referencing a Chris Long pod I do all the time. Uh, Matt Ryan was on that podcast with Chris Long. This was a few months ago. And he said, Hayden Hurst has been driving up from Jacksonville, Florida to Atlanta and staying there like four days a week all summer to work with Matt Ryan, his new quarterback. Matt Ryan has given high, high praise to Hayden Hurst. And the team is saying they expect Hurst to see a ton of snaps, which means more opportunities in a team that heavily relies on a tight end. Last year, before Austin Hooper was injured, he was the overall tight end one. And I think he finished the year as the tight end six. So Hurst is in just one of the best scenarios a tight end could find themselves in. And because he's new to the team, people are like, oh, we don't know. Well, He's my tight end six. So I have a really good feeling about Hurst this year, which is why he is my guy at the tight end position going in the seventh, eighth round area. So um, kind of a late tight end, but yeah, give me all the Hurst I can handle this year. So Al, who's your tight end? Dude, my tight end. And, you know, we've talked about him multiple times on here. So I don't know that I'll necessarily dive into the details, but it's Janu Smith. All right, that guy, the way that offense figured out how to operate last year after they decided to sit, um, shit, dude, what's his name? Delaney Walker? No, the quarterback. Oh, Mariota? Yeah, Sorry. Marcus Mariota. Yeah. Now I mean, of that, the, uh, the, team, the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that team completely flipped a switch, though, as soon as Marcus Mariota was benched and Ryan Tannehill came in. It's like Tannehill gave them this sign of life. And I don't know that, you know, I don't, I'm not in on Tannehill deserving that contract. I don't think he's going to be as good as what people think he is. Um, it's just the market know, for quarterbacks now. Like, yeah, the starting quarterback, he's going to get a bunch of money. But I know that Janu Smith is definitely the second receiving option on that team. 
and A.J. Brown can't do it all, and Derrick Henry can't run the ball every single play. So, Junior Smith is definitely going to see some action from Ryan Tannehill, um, who is very similar to Alex Smith in the regards that he's very decent at throwing the 12-yard bombs. So, I mean, you can see Janu Smith having a better season, much better season this year than he did last year. And last year, he had 35 receptions for 200 well, – let, let me see if I'm on right here. Yeah, 35 receptions for 277 yards and five touchdowns. Right, that is not great. Is that Smith? Yeah. That's five five touchdowns on 32 receptions or 35 receptions is pretty damn good, but yeah. unrepeatable efficiency. But now he is the guy. So and I take that back. He had 439 touchdowns. 439 yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. God damn it, Alex. Get it together. <laughs> 35 receptions, 439 yards. He had five red zone receptions and three touchdowns. There we go. Okay. So. I mean, those numbers are going to skyrocket this year. Just with more usage and more volume. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that is why Jadu Smith is my guy. Very late, too. Like, typically, tight end has been viewed as a super shallow. Like, you have to get Kelsey, Kittle, or Ertz. Now we see guys like Mark Andrews entering the conversation, uh, Dallas Goddard. Even Mike is sicky, dude. Yeah. There's like it's coming out of camp that he's like a red zone threat this season. Yeah, with the opt outs the Dolphins have had, I can see why Gasicki is gonna be he's gonna be a big slot. He's also an athletic freak. Um he similar to Saquon Barkley, like broke the combine. They both played at Penn State together. At the tight end position, Gasicki was just off the charts athletically. But yeah, tight end this year is super deep. You can get Janu Smith. I got him in our mock draft on our previous episode in the eleventh round. One of my last picks, like right before my kicker in defense. So great value there for a guy that has all the opportunity in the world to see a huge uptick in usage. So I love the Colin Smith. And uh, yeah, do you have any other honorable mention players you just want to throw a name out? Or I think we covered, I think most shows, not saying this like in a derogatory way, but they'll do like one player per position. So we gave some extra names. Um, I think with my list specifically, I think you can realistically acquire all of these players on a single fantasy team. I might try it just based on the value of the players where they're going in drafts. Um, So I might try that because I get a a full team of my guys. That'd be incredible. And I could see if my takes are shit or not. No, to answer your question though, no, I don't have anything I want to add. Awesome, man. As far as honorable mentions, but I do have this. So, came out today that Kalen Balazs is being traded to the New York Jets. <laughs> a little comedy a to send us out. For a pick. And this is why I hate the Jets, dude. Because it also came out that the Dolphins were about to cut him. Yes. And the Jets were like, oh, no, let us give you a pick instead. Here, have something for him. Don't just cut him so we can come in and steal him. No one's going to fucking sign him. Kalen Balazs averaged 1.8 yards per carry last year on, like, 70-some yeah. rushes. Like, 74 rushes. Why like, are you trading for a guy like that? Why are you giving up a pick, an already shitty team that needs that pick? The Jets trading a pick to to the Dolphins for Balage. And I get it. You know, Adam Gase was there with Balage in Miami. Sign him. 
just let them cut him and just sign yeah. him. There's no teams lining up to acquire Kalen Balaj off of waivers once that clears. Like, yeah, that broke Twitter today for a little bit, and it was hilarious. And I said it's just a matter of time before you hear Gase like, oh, we really like Kalen. He's going to be heavily involved, just like he's been saying with Frank Gore. Le'Veon Bell has already been rumored to have a decrease in volume because of all the high scores getting, and now just bringing another running back. They also drafted a running back in LaMichael Pirine, so very crowded why, rumor all of a sudden. This is why you should never take a Jets player. I won't say never. You know they I have a couple. freaking stink, dude. Jamison Crowder and Chris Herndon, those are your two Jets that you can take. Other than that, I'm hands off, even Le'Veon Bell at this point. So, anyways, we'll go ahead and send you all out. We appreciate you kicking it with us. These are our guys for the 2020 fantasy football season. Uh, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at A to Z FFB. Let us know who your guys are. If you're drafting this weekend, which many of you are, best of luck. I hope you dominate those drafts. If you have any questions or need some tips or some help, you're in a pinch, hit us up on Twitter. We get the notifications. We'll respond as timely as possible. No guarantees on that, but if we can help a couple people out, we'd be more than happy to do that. Um, Al, you have anything to say to the listeners on the way out? No, nah, man. Subscribe, rate, and review. So It's important. It's, it's important, important in the podcast game. And you know what? We've gotten a lot of DMs this past week. Next week is our listener question. Actually, next week, I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation next week. Might not be a pod next week. I'm being in Tennessee all week. So The week after is a mailbag episode. And continue to send it. We've gotten gotten some questions. Continue to send those in, though, because the more the merrier. Yep, we'll hit up some listener questions, and then week one is upon us. So, yeah, hit us up, Twitter and Instagram. Check out the link tree for other content on our website. We appreciate you so much. Tell, Thanks for, uh, tell for hanging friend, out. Tell a friend. Spread the news. Tell a friend. Spread the news. And, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Appreciate it. Toodles.